<coughs> okay, so let's learn. Uh, you know, it, you know, it's an interesting thing. Like everyone, like from basic, like science class, like fifth grade science class, like everyone knows that we're all moving right now. You know, like the whole planet, everything is moving. Not much moving. We don't notice it. We don't feel it because, like, everything is moving together at the same at the same pace. So we don't sort of feel it. But there is such a thing as people traveling, even they don't realize it. So that's the time that we're in right now, you know, the time that we're in after Pesach, leading to Shavuos, we're traveling. It's not just like days and days and days, and, you know, and eventually it's going to be the Yontem of Shavuos. We're traveling to Harsinai. We don't notice it, we don't feel it, but there's such a thing in, in, in science as well, that, you know, there's such a thing as traveling and moving. You don't feel it either. But we know that we are. It's the same thing is like this. We know that we are. We're traveling to Harsinai. And Baruch Hashem, the Rabbani Shalom gives us guides, you know. As we're traveling to Harsinai, so the first one we had Maishar Beinu, guiding us, telling us where to go, how to go. And so nowadays we don't have Maish Rabbeinu in that original form. But the Rabbani Shalom gave us tzaddikim that sort of, a, that sort of gives us those instructions, hold our hands, and escort us towards Har Sinai. And those tzaddikim are Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Lazar, his son. Right? Everyone knows that. It's, this week is Lag Baimer. Lag Baimer is not just a yantif that happens to sort of exist in its own little bubble, but Lagbarma also has to be seen as a yantif that sort of guides us through this time of Sphira, connecting the first part of Sphira Saimer with the second part of Sphira Saimer, and guiding us to Harsinai. And these are the two tzaddikim that guide us, Rav Shimon and Rav Lazar. And so the first thing we have to think about is that in what way do these tzaddikim, Rav Shimon and his son Rav Lazar, in what way do each one, how do they each one contribute in a different way to this this process of us coming to Harsinai. Because in other words, it must be that it's an impossibility for a Jew to get to Harsinai, to receive the Torah that we have to receive personally and collectively, unless it's by holding the hands of these two tzaddik and Rishim and Rilazar. So the question is, what does that mean? What does Rishim tell us? And what is Rilazar telling us? Bakhla, we know that, they, that this father and son connection, this duo, it was Bashkach, it has to be like that, you know, because in, in the simple story of Rav Shimon, right, that he has to run away from the Romans, and he hides in the cave, and the whole thing, he doesn't have to take his son, right, it's like, Rav Shimon was in trouble, not, not Rav Lazar, so why did he take his son, okay, so he needs someone to help him, because of that he's going to put his son's life in danger too, so clearly there's some inning going on between Rav Shimon and Rav Lazar, but the truth is it's more than that, we know that the week of Lag Baimer in the Sphira, the week of Hai, that Lag Baimer is Hai Shabai, the fifth day of that week, the first of that week, which is Sunday, is Pesach Shein. Is Pesach Shein. So if Lag Boimer, these two tzaddikim, Shimon and Lazar, bring us, allow us to get to Harsinai, they hold our hands towards Harsinai. So it must be the root of Lag Boimer itself is connected with the first of that particular week, which is Pesach Shein. So this is what we see so far, that to get to Harsinai, you have to have Shimon and Lazar. And even Shimon and Lazar are drawing their strength from Pesach Shein. So what is it about Pesach Sheni and Lag Boimer that allows us to get to Harsinai? Okay, so, so in this week's parasha, parasha is uh, Emar, right? That's what I think that's the rolling, hopefully. So uh, it's a parasha is Emar, at least for those in Chutzlars. So parasha is Emar, the beginning of the parasha is all about the halachas of Kahanim, right? So Kahanim, Emar, Emar al-Kahanim, B'nai Aaron, so Pasuk says, Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, tell the Kahanim the specific halachas they have, certain people they are not allowed to marry, Certain people that they should marry, uh, you know, that they that they can't become contaminated to a dead body. All the halachas of kahuna. Okay, so now in that in the parsha, it talks about kahanim, and it also talks about the concept as well a little bit later on 
the concept of a balmum. What's a balmum? So a Kohen, a person is born a Kohen, so it means that not only they have these halachas of marrying the right people and not becoming contaminated and so on, they have a mitzvah of eating karbonis, for example, in the base of English and sacrificing in the base of English. But there are certain qualifications, though, that only the only kind that's allowed to work in the base of English is a Kohen that's not a Balmum. Balmum means he has a certain physical blemish or some you know, issue physically with his body, and that, and that uh, makes him puzzle, makes him not be able to work in the base of English. So the thing is like this. In Halacha, there's a big question to figure out what exactly is the status of a Kohen who's also a Balmum. So, for example, uh, you know, in terms of working the base of Migdash, he's not allowed to work in the base of Migdash. So, in other words, the, the question to think about is, is he a Kohen or is he not a Kohen? Like, which one is it? On the one hand, when it comes to working the base of Migdash, that's in the category of non-Kohen. He doesn't work, he's a Balmo. Mitzat Shani, the halachas of becoming contaminated to a dead body, he's obligated to follow. The prohibitions of marrying uh, a woman that's divorced, all the halachas of who a Kohen is allowed to marry, he's included in that. He's allowed to eat karbanas. The even, there are even certain avoidas in the Beis HaMikdash that a Balmum is allowed to do. So for example, the halach is, when it comes to Haitzah Sadesh and taking off the ashes from the Mizbech and clearing off the Mizbech, which is, can be seen as some level of avoida, a Kohen is allowed to do that. A Kohen Balmum is allowed to do that. So which one is it? Is he a Kohen or is he not a Kohen? Because in, in Torah, there's usually two classifications. Either you're a Kayin, or when it comes to Kahanim stuff, you're a Zar. What's a Zar? It says, for example, when it comes to working in the Mason English, Hazar Hakar Vyumas, a foreigner, someone who's, uh, who's, not, who's not a Kayin, he's a foreigner, he's outside of this Indian of Kuna. If he performs the Avayin in the Mason English, he's Chayv Misa, and a Balmum is under that category. So, like, what is he? Is he a Kayin or is he not a Kayin? So there's a chiddush from the Ragachavar. So the Ragachavar, Alatayra, in this expression, the Ragachavar says like this, in the classic Ragachavar form. The Ragachavar says that you want to you want to know what a Balmum is, a Kain Balmum? He's a Kain. He's 100% a Kain. And that's why he could eat Karbanas. He has the same prohibitions as a Kain in terms of marrying. He's a Kain. But he's also a Tsar. He's also a Tsar. A Tsar says the Ragachavar, a Tsar means a foreigner. A Tsar doesn't mean not a kain. A czar is its own status. Czar means that at the same time he's a kain, he also has upon him a halachic status of being a foreigner to kahuna. He's a kain and an alien to kahuna at the same time. And because of that, says the Ragachavar, there are certain halachas that, that all you need to be to fall under that category is kain. And there's other halachas that you fall under that category if you're a czar. So, for example, eating karbanas of the Beis Amigdash, if you're a Kayan, you're in that category. Kayan Balmum is a Kayan. Not marrying certain types of people, if you're a Kayan, you're in that category. Kayan Balmum is a Kayan. But the Pasuk says, Hazar Akar Vyumas, that if you're a Zar, you can't work in the Beis Amigdash. And a Kayan Balmum is a Zar. So, what is a Kayan of a Balmum? A Kayan Balmum is a Kayan and a Zar at the same time. And appreciate the Chiddush of this, because usually we assume that the halachic definition of czar, a foreigner, alien, someone that's, what does a czar mean? A czar means he's not a kain. So Rogachar is telling us, no, 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 you can be a kain and a czar at the same time. And that's what a kain balmum is. Okay, that's what Rogachar says. Now, we understand that everything in Tyra is not only something in halacha, but it's telling us it's, it's reflective of something in the nefesh. 
So there's a Torah from Nishvitzer in the Meshulach in the sixth parashas, uh, Murder Canyon. The, the Ishvitzer points out that in the parsha, the parsha is divided into two parts. There's five halachas mentioned in the first part of the parsha, and five halachas mentioned in the second part of the parsha. So the Ishvitzer points out that the first five halachas are all halachas that are reflective of some sort of taina that a Jew can have against God. Some sort of taina that a Jew can have against God. And the five halachas, the end of the parsha, are halachas to comfort the Jew from the first five tainas. Which means that the way it, boil, way it works out, said the Israel is like this, is that this, the, the, the taina, one of the parshas of the, par, one of the halachas of the, of the first five halachas is a koinetz abalmo. And the Israel explains that that's not only a, like a halacha, that if a kain is a balmum, he's not allowed to work in the Vesel Migdash, and like the Rogachever said, he's a kain and a Zar at the same time. Said the Yishbitzer, that is reflective. Every single Jew can feel that sometimes, of being a kain balmum, and that's a taina that a Jew can have. In other words, what does that mean? The way the Rogachever explained, and now how the Yishbitzer is sort of explaining, it means as follows, is that very often a Jew can feel, at the same time, a Jew can feel a sense of being chosen by Hashem. That's what a kain is, right? What does it mean to be a kain? To be a kain means God chose you. It means you have been selected, handpicked, to serve in the temple. You've been handpicked to be a tzaddik. You could have been, you could have been just Joshmo, you could have been born a non-Jew. You could have even been born, God forbid, a Jew that doesn't know about Yiddishkeit. And you would have lived a life. Uh, you would have been just gone through the motions of life and you would have been happy. You would have been fine. You know, and you'd be the goldfish, you know, going around the boat. But Baruch Hashem, you've been chosen. You've been chosen to be a Jew. You've been chosen not just to be a Jew, but to be a Jew that's a religious Jew, that knows the truth. And that means that choice that Hashem has made, that hand selection that God made towards you means... That the Rabbana Shalom has sent you on that path of becoming tzaddik yisad oilam, being the tzaddik that you know you're supposed to be. That's a kind. But at the same time, that same Jew that clearly knows and feels that he's been chosen, and he hasn't just been, you know, he wasn't just on the conveyor belt of humanity. He's been he was handpicked over that conveyor belt to be specifically set aside for this purpose of being a tzaddik. At the same time. He finds within himself situations in life, constant maybe situations in life, or even within himself, a feeling of, of being a czar. A feeling of, like I'm chosen to be a tzaddik, but I, I feel completely foreign from that parsha that's called being a tzaddik. And maybe sometimes it's his own mistakes that cause him to feel that sense of czarus, that sense of being a czar. But very often, it's just the nature of life, is that, you know, on the one hand, the Rabbanu Shalom, I'm not. I'm not just a regular person. I've been. I, I, I'm a Jew. I'm a believing Jew. I've. I've been brought under, you know, a certain. Uh, you know, I raised in a certain home and certain environment, and I know the truth, and I know what I'm supposed to be. But on the other hand, inside of me, I don't feel that connection. That's what it means. Said the Ishvitzer, a person can have a taina. A person can be a kain and a balmum. And as the Rogachev explained, what does it mean to be a kain and a balmum? It means on the one hand, you're a kain. But on the other hand, you're also a czar. And a person might feel that conflict of like, I'm chosen, but I don't, but I feel disconnected from that, from that purpose that I've been chosen for, that I've been chosen for. 
at the same, I feel connected and disconnected at the same time. Like, I know I count for a minion, like, clearly I'm something special, I could hear all the schmoozing about that, but inside of me, I don't, there's a certain level of disconnect that I have between me and my kahuna. And so that's a taina, that's a taina that a Jew can have. So those are the, one, of the, one of the first five tainas of the parasha, Koyin Balmu. So what's the nechama, what's the comfort? So the Yishmetzer said, the end of the parasha, the final five halachas, are all the Yom Taifim that we have. The Shalash Regalim and Rosh Hashanah Kippur. And the way it lines up, said the Yishmetzer, is that the comfort, the nechama, for the taina that a Jew feels for being a Koyin Balmum, the comfort is Shavuos. The comfort is the Yom of Shavuos. Because each one of the Yom Taivim, including Rosh Hashanah Kippur, is there to give comfort from one of those five tainas. So the tain of Kain Balmum, the comfort is Shavuos. In what way? So on a, on a very simple level, you know, the, the Ishbitzer himself points out that when it comes to the Yantav of Shuas, which was Harsinai, so Chazal say already that by Harsinai, all, all sickness, all mumin, all blemishes were healed. So already you see that the Yantav of Shuas, Harsinai, has to do with giving comfort for someone that's a Balmum. But on a deeper level, this Indian of, of the Taina of the Kayin Balmum, that on one hand, I feel there's a certain level of iskashas, of connection, and of comfort, and like, this is my portion, like, this is my chilek. And on the other hand, I feel disconnected from it. We see that in the Yantav of Shuas. So, for example, everyone knows that in, in, in Parshish Yisra, where Hashem is like preparing us to receive the Torah, Sirvan Hashem brings out this point of how chosen we are, and how, and how, how much of a shidduch we are with Yiddishkeit. The Pasik says that Hashem says to my Shabbat, go tell the Jewish people that you saw everything I've done in Mitzrayim. I carry you in wings of eagles to bring you to me. And Mamish, you should be in Mamlech. You are Mamlech as kind of a guy Kaddish. This is Mamish Basher. It's Mamish, you're in. You're Kahana. You're Mamish Kahana. Mamlech as kind of a guy Kaddish. It's Mamish you. And the Jewish people, and we reflect that by saying Nasa Vinishma. Mamish, Nasa Vinishma is like Hamalachim talk, right? Because uh, all we know, the, like this is our Indian. This is our Indian. Mitzar Sheni. So on the one hand, the whole of Harsini is what? You're a Kayan. This is your portion. You're a Chelikah. This is your Indian. This is who you are. Mitzat Shani. We know that the last thing that the Rabbana Shalom told the Jewish people to receive the Torah, the last Tachana, was what? Hagbel Esa'ar Savim. To create boundaries around Harsini that no Jew is allowed to come close to touch the mountain. Not only was that a Hachana for a few days before Harsini to set up boundaries, but Mamish, at the moment of, of the giving of the Torah, the Pasuk says that Hashem said to Meishu Rabbeinu, like as he's about to say, Hashem said to Meishu Rabbeinu, go down and make sure, warn the people that you shouldn't touch the mountain. And Meishu says, like, I did it already. Like that. Hashem said, no, 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 do it now. Clearly, what's being told to Meishu Rabbeinu is that this Indian of at the same time being feeling a sense of closeness to Yiddishkeit, which is what Nasa Vinishma is, and what Hashem telling them that they're going to be Mamlech's kind of a Kaddish and being carried on wings of eagles, all that sense of Iskarvus, that sense of closeness, and at the same time, feeling foreign and feeling alien and feeling like, like uh, a Tzigakumar, feeling like this is my first time here and I don't really know what's going on. Like, you know, growing up, I, I grew up a lot with Bali Tshuva and things like that and, and converts in Bali Tshuva. And, there, and, and very often, like in the beginning, when they first you know, when they, when they first open the sitter, or like when they first uh, experience a Shabbos, and like they don't, you know, it's not their fault, they don't know what to do, like they don't know where, you know, so, you know, if you go to like a regular shul, we take it for granted, we know, like, yeah, 
after Baruch Shammar, then it's Mizmul Saida, and eventually you get to Asher. Like, we know, we know the program. But if, but if you're there for the first time, Imamish, the whole thing is alien. So, the, so it, it, these are the two feelings that the Jewish people had by Arsina. On the one hand, like, this is your chel, this is your portion. This is exactly who you are. On the other hand, do I hold the sitter like this, or is it like this? I don't know, what page are we up to now? Like, uh, there's a certain feeling of, like, of distance, like, what, what is going on? I don't know, I don't know. And so this Indian that the Balmum, the Kayin Balmum feels, we see this on Shavuos, and if that's the way the Torah is given to us on Shavuos, then clearly it's for, it's for a reason, and clearly there's something about these two emotions that are necessary to have both at the same time to allow a person to truly receive the Torah. It, 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 the same thing, for example, the Pasik says that Maisha Beno says to the Jewish people in Sefer Devarim, Maisha is reviewing Harsin and the whole story, and he says to the Kali, so he says, why? I'm adding a few words, but uh, Maisha Beno says to the Jewish people, like, why couldn't Hashem just slip a note under your door that says the 613 mitzvahs? Why does that have to do with this whole Maimon of Harsinai with, you know, special effects and the miracles and uh, hearing and, 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 you know, seeing sounds, the, the whole thing? So it says in Pasik, you know why? <coughs> So Moshe says to the Jewish people, the, one, the purpose of Arsina, the whole Maimed, was what? That you should have a sense of fear on your face that you shouldn't sin. And says Rashi in the name of Chazal, the Morasaita, what does that mean? That you should have a sense of fear on your face? Zuabusha. It means that from Arsina, the Rabbanishim, because of Arsina, the Rabbanishim injected into the Jewish psyche a sense of busha. What does it mean, busha? To be, to be a baishan, to be embarrassed. It means to be meek, to be a little bit of like, a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit, you know, like when you get home or something, you feel, you, there's no busha there, so you take your shoes off, you could take your shirt off, do whatever, you, you know. Busha means you're not at home. You know, to be not completely comfortable in Yiddishkeit. And Moshe Ben is saying, that's a Gevald So what we're seeing is the Harsinai is that these two emotions that the Kain Balmum feels, which is, closeness, connection, but at the same time a distance, though not only is that not a bidyevit, what we see by our Sinai is that those are necessary, both those, those, both, those conflicting emotions are both absolutely vital and necessary to bring a person to our Sinai. And by the way, this is what we find with Lag Baimer as well. I mentioned that Shimon and Rablazar are the two tzaddikim that escort us to our Sinai. But the difference between Rishim and Rablazar, everyone knows, Shimon is all about Hiskarvus. Rosh all is all about closeness. Rosh Shimon says in the Zara Kaddish, Anan B'chavivus Atalia. My whole Indian says Rosh Shimon is what? Is, is for every Jew to feel comfortable and beloved. Like the Gemara says that when they came out of the cave, it took some time, but ultimately, Rosh Shimon got to the place of what? Of Ru'u Kamechavivu Mitzvah Zal Yisrael, come and see how much Yidin love Mitzvah. It's Mamish. Rosh Shimon was, was the eyes of love. But yet his son, Rabbi Lazar, was that was the perspective of what of Zaras, of whatever you think you're holding. <coughs> slow down. There's madrigas above you. Don't get so comfortable. Like everyone knows the Gemara. There's a famous story in the Gemara Tainus where Rabbi Lazar, son of Rabbi Shimon, is traveling, right, and uh, and uh, he sees a person coming towards him that's a little bit ugly. And we know the storm saying it does mean physical ugliness. It means Rabbi was able to read the to read the face, you know, to see ugliness there. And Rabbi points it out. He says, "Look, you're so ugly, you're so ugly." And the person responds back, you know, listen, you know, go to the person that go to the, my creator that made me ugly. 
But you see in that story that the inner of Lazar is to inject the Jewish people with that sense of boundaries, of 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 gvul, of of zaros, of not to be so comfortable. That's why even post cave, the Gemara says that every after the thirteen years, so everywhere Rabbi Lazar was igniting things still on fire, and Rabbi Shimon was calming the fire down. These two tzaddikim, Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Lazar, both escort us to Har Sinai, because to have Har Sinai, every Jew has to feel you're a kain, you're chosen. Which is in Rav Shimon. That's where Rav Shimon is described as a kain gadol in this in the song of Bar Yechai. He's like a kain gadol that sits nazar kaidish. It's like he's wearing the tzitz. So just like the kain means closeness, means chosen. It means that Rav Shimon is one that makes you feel chosen. He's a kain. But at the same time, you also have to feel alien. You also have to feel foreign. You also have to feel like a little bit uncomfortable, as if it's the first time you're in shul and you don't know how to daven yet, and you're hoping for someone to call out the page number that you're up to. And that, that feeling of being a Tain and a Zar, that's how you get to Harsinai. And the root of both these emotions are also rooted in what? In Pesach Sheni. What's Pesach Sheni? Pesach Sheni is Yidin coming to Moshe Rabbeinu and saying, Lomini Gara, we, we became contaminated to a Tame, to a tame person. Right? Whatever the story in the, in the Chumash is, whether it be to Yosef Tzadik's bones or whether it be Nadav in view, whatever the story was how these people became Tame. But they come to Moshe Rabbeinu with a tiny, with a complaint, uh, we're a million miles away. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, okay, you know, let me hear what's going on. And the Rabbanu Shalom tells him what? Pesach Sheni. Pesach Sheni contains within it these two sides, which is that you are, on the one hand, you're talking about a Jew that's, that, that's, 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 that is, that is far away, that, that is a foreigner. The Zarakadish and the Parshish Baal talks about this. The Zarakadish says that these descriptions of person that's in the world of Pesach Sheni, someone that's Tomei, or B'derech it doesn't just mean physically that he's Tomei or far, or far away physically. The Zarakadish says that Pesach Sheni in the, in, the soul, in the world of the soul means a Jew that feels within himself a certain sense of Zaras, a, a certain sense of distance, a, a certain sense of discomfort, of not being comfortable, of Zaras, a Rabbi Lazar Yet mitzad sheni. The only pesach sheni is that even though you're b'derech ruchayka, you still are shaykh to pesach. And the Zohar Kodesh says, only pesach sheni is is a thirty-day sort of residual effect of pesach itself. Pesach itself, the guy was b'derech ruchayka, but yet pesach sheni reveals that he had shay- that he was shaykh to pesach. Because his ability to have a pesach sheni is because really on on the main pesach he also had a shaykh to pesach, and he can sort of, you know, sort of sort of bring out that connection a month later. <coughs> So you see, Pesach Sheni has these two qualities. On the one hand, every Jew is shaykh to, y- to Yiddishkeit. It's mamish yurchelik. You can't be disconnected. You can't not have Pesach. That doesn't matter what the situation is. You have to have Pesach. You're a Yid. You have Pesach. You're a Kayin. Mitzah Sheni. I'm a million miles away. And I feel a million miles away. And that's exactly what Pesach Sheni is. That's exactly what Shemuel was. And that's what gets you to Har Sinai. So the question is why? Why are these two emotions necessary? Why does a Jew, in order to receive the Torah real, real, pneumistic, why does it have to be with these two senses of, on the one hand, knowing, knowing that this is mamash Yaakov, and there's no greater shidduch in the world than me and Yiddishkeit, and yet at the same time, a certain sense of alienation, a certain sense of discomfort, of uneasiness, of I don't know what this is. So the answer is, is that the Rabbanu Shalom wants us to experience Yiddishkeit, not just on the outside. God wants us to be able to keep mitzvahs and to learn Torah and, f- and to be able to know 
that what we're doing, the mitzvahs that we're keeping, the Torah that we're learning, the, 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 the tale that we're saying, that we're doing all these things and saying these things, not just, not just because that's something we have to do, but to do them and to say them with a sense of connection with the Infinite One. Like the Rebbe gave us a Torah, but the Rebbe has this concern. I'm giving you my greatest gift, which is my divine wisdom. But how could I be sure that at the same time when I give it to you, it's not going to become <coughs> corrupted. It's not going to become corrupted. It's not going to become completely irrecognizable from where it comes from. How could God be sure that when he's sending us the Torah, it doesn't lose its identity as it descends all the way down to planet Earth? You know how? It's by the Jews keeping the Torah with, on the one hand, a sense of connection, and on the other hand, with a sense of awe, reverence, even discomfort, and a sense of uneasiness of what this is. Because the Rabbanu wants to give us a Torah, it means the Rabbanu wants us to be connected to him, wants to be connected to Yiddishkeit. So you have to feel that connection to Torah. If a person doesn't feel connected to mitzvahs, doesn't feel that mitzvahs are a real shidduch to him or to her, then when you do the mitzvah, it's sort of disconnected from you. And that's not the point. The point is Rabbanu wants you to be mekusher. The Rebbe wants you to feel that dveikas. The Rebbe wants you to connect to Torah and to connect to Yiddishkeit. But if you're connecting to Yiddishkeit in, in, completely on your terms, on your understanding, and everything's completely comfortable, then how do I know that that Yiddishkeit that you're connecting to has, still retains its identity as godly? The way, therefore, the, the shidduch that the Rebbe makes is this combination of these two opposite feelings. A sense of connection, which means that I'm connecting to Torah, I'm not just doing it, but it's something that's deeply enmeshing itself with my spiritual DNA, with my identity, which is Gavaldic. But on the other hand, I also don't know what this is that is becoming a part of me. And that sense of distance even between me and the Torah that is becoming a part of me maintains its spiritual identity. That it doesn't become something that I can put my finger and say, oh, I know exactly what it is. I know exactly what it is. See, when a person puts on tefillin, you should not be able to say that you know what tefillin are. You shouldn't be able to say that. Because once, you're, once you say, or once you think, that I have 100% of tefillin, I, I, I got this, I got this, no big deal. Then all of a sudden, you could, feel con- you could be com- completely connected to tefillin, but then tefillin just became something physical, it just became something small. On the other hand, if I say my whole life, I have no idea what tefillin, it's very mamish, Mamish, Oilimus, uh, I have no idea what tefillin are. So then that means that tefillin are now retaining its identity as something sublime and something transcendent. But if it's completely that, and I never put them on because I'm completely intimidated by that, then guess what? Then it just, it, then the tefillin just sit on the table and they're godly, but the point is for me to become godly myself. So what God does is that he creates this amazing dynamic on the Yantav of Shuas of being a kain and a Balmum, which means that I feel connected to tefillin. And I, feel, and I don't feel completely intimidated by tefillin, and therefore I'm going to put them on. But what tefillin are that I'm putting on? I have no idea. And, so, and by having this dynamic, you are now connecting yourself to something that's bigger than you. And that's exactly what Yiddishkeit's about. This is why you know, in, in, in the Svarmak Dashim, just to learn some of the terminologies which are important, the part of your neshama, the part of your neshama, which is this, this quality that's called kayin, feeling connected and feeling comfortable, sense of connection, that's called Chachma. That's called Chachma. Chachma means the ability within your soul to really truly connect to something and to, and to, you know, and to become one with it. 
On the other hand, the quality that's that that's why you'll see in the Sfarim very often that Kayin is associated with Chachma. You know, on the other hand, the quality within the soul that's called Zar, that's called distance, and not fully hopping, feeling a little bit intimidated, even uneasy, feeling like a like a foreigner. That's the quality <coughs> that's called that's quality that's called Bina. Bina means to understand, to look, at, to contemplate something from a distance, but not really to be in it. Because I can't really be in it. I don't know what it is. In the Sermon Gdash, we find that when you connect Chachma and Bina, what emerges is a Mida that's called Das. Chabad, Chachma, Bina, and then Das. What is Das? Das means a real connection to something bigger than you. That's what Das means. When you have Chachma, which means connection to something, and Bina at the same time, I don't really know what this is, and you merge the two together, that's called Das. And this is why you'll find by Harsinai, the word Das is always used. So for example, Parashat Vazchanan, when Moshe Rabbeinu is talking about Harsinai, the experience, he says, now, now that you've had Harsinai, now you've begun to know, with the word Das, that God's amazing. Because God is, is something that you're connected to now, but you also don't know who that is at the same time. And that's, and that's exactly what it means to be a Kayin and a Zar at the same time. He goes on to talk about That's Harsina. Harsina is Das. Harsina is Das. And this is all the Havoidav right now. The Havoidav of this Parsha leading into Pesach Sheni and Rav Shimon and Lazar is to be able to feel at the same time an absolute Shedach with Yiddish. But at the same time, I, I don't know what this what this Tarotzi is that I've been born into, and that's a good thing. It's good once in a while to to come into davening and to feel like this is the first time you've ever done it, you know, or to open a sefer and to not know what what's being said. That's a good thing. Like very often, you know, when, when it comes to learning, especially, you find this, you know, like you want to be able to open up a sefer or to learn something and to feel like you understand. But there's a certain deep spiritual pleasure in opening up a Sefer and knowing it, but like, I don't really chop what's being said over here. Like, I don't really chop what's going on over here. There's a certain hano in that. It's not a hano that you could explain to an Anju, you know? It's a, there's a certain pain that the Nefesh experiences when you reach a level in your learning where you understand everything. And there's no more kashas, you know? Where there's no more sections in Tyra that are just closed books for you. There's a certain pleasure that the nefesh feels in knowing that there are certain areas of Yiddishkeit that I have no idea about. Not to say that we shouldn't try to learn more things. Obviously, the tachlis is to know. But at the same time, as we know more and more, it's always good to remind ourselves of, the, of what we don't know. And that maintains that balance of kain zar at the same time. the kain balmon might feel like the like a loyitzlach, you know, but Adrav, Mamish, the whole Yantav of Shuas, the whole time, Shim, Lag it's all revolving a Kaim Balmum. You know, Shvizach to become Kahanim Balimumim in that way, you know, and to always be Makash ourselves to Torah in, in the right way. I'll just end off with a quick story, you know, I, was told, I kept on repeating over Tarzivil and Amisha, so I'll tell you Amisha from that Pasik, it's, it's from the Medrash, from Chazal. So Amisha goes like this that Rabbi says in the Medrash, that Rabbi said, that he, he always knew the Pasuk of Tarot Sivil and Amosha, but he never fully chapped it until he was explained, until someone explained in that Pasuk a particular Amaretz. 
an ignoramus taught him the Pshat Mepas. So the Maise is, or Yanai said that he was once walking down the street and he saw coming towards him a Yid, it looked like a Tamar Chacham. He was wearing like Rabbanish clothing, you know, he looked like a Tamar Chacham. So he says, Oh, Shamleichem, Rav, Rosh Hashiv, whatever. So, you know, you're new to town, please come to my home. I'll have a meal together. So he comes into the home, they sit down for a meal. And Rabbi says to the Rav, he says, you, know, you want to share a vart, a piece of Gemara, you want to tell me something? He said, I don't know Gemara. It's okay. Shnais. Pasuk Chumash. Comes to benching, he wants to be mechabed at the bench. The guy doesn't know how to bench. So he's a complete umbars. So Rabbi says to him, not only are you a liar, right? You're walking around like a Talmud you're a gun. He said, why? He said, because... Because, you know, in those days, being a Tamachacha meant you got certain, certain tax write-offs and certain uh, things like this from the government. Oh, that's true. And so you're walking around like a Tamachacha. I'm stealing. It's a gun. You know, you're not just like tricking everyone and getting uh, shlishi and shul. Like, you know, your mom is not paying taxes, but you're a gun. So then Rabbi Yane said that this person became very angry at me. He said, you call me a gun. You call me a gun. You're the gun. This is one of my the gun. He says, because I'll tell you, one Pasuk I do remember from Chayder. It says in Pasuk Tarot, the Rasha kills Yaakov. The Moshe Rabbeinu commanded us the Torah. It's an inheritance for the whole Jewish people. And said this Amar, it's Kehilas Yanai and Ksivkan. doesn't say the Torah is the inheritance of Yanai. That was, was of Yanai. Kehilas Yaakov. It says the Torah is the inheritance of the whole Jewish people. And if I don't know anything, it's your fault. Because you're holding back my Yerusha. You should teach me. And if I don't know anything, you're the God. If you're holding back my Yerusha, it's not, I'm not the God. If you're the God. So Yanai said his whole life, he never had the Peshat and the Pasuk until this Amar told him that Peshat. That's what's going on in here. You know, that's the perfect, that's what we have to feel. Like that guy, that, that fake Tamachach, not to be, uh, you know, not to trick people like that, but to sit down at that meal. Can you imagine the intimidation that he was feeling? Rabbiana was not a stunt person. He, he's a rabbi. He has a little chesidim over there. It's a whole big meal, right? And, uh, you know, I'm sure all the chesidim gathered, you know, they had tzaddik year, whatever this person is, you know, and he's sitting there, and Rabbiana says in front of the whole chavra, say a vart. He's like, I don't know anything. Can you imagine the bush that he was feeling? Like, Mamish, like the first time in shul, he doesn't know what's up, what's down, right? And at the same Mamish, Mamish, like that, right? And at the same time, he says, Tar is my chaylet, this is my Yerusha. Tar tzivulanu moishem, Marasha kills Yaakov. That's exactly the yichud we have to feel when it comes to shuas. Yiddishkeit's Mamish hours. What is Yiddishkeit? I have no idea. I have no idea. I've never met it before. But I, whatever it is, it's Mamish mine. And uh, together, it, it makes sure that Yiddishkeit retains its, its authentic. It's authentic identity from where it really comes from, which is from a divine place. No, Hashem should help us. You should be zaychet to, to be able to be humble like that and to be the mekayim that pasuk of Tartsivul on a Moshem Rasha Kiel Siakev. The Bias God said, "The Gemara of Amen. 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 Am